Welcome to the Mom Has a Blog Podcast. I'm Chad Edgington. I'm Melissa Edgington. We're back, man, for the May Madness. It was uh, it was harrowing tonight. I wasn't sure we were going to get a May Madness podcast going. Yeah. Thought we might be in the hallway. We had some good old Texas weather roll yeah. in. Yeah, it was crazy. But it was also good because tonight's Wednesday. It's a church night, and you were worried the storms were going to kind of hit at the wrong time, but they held off. That was a real blessing because when I'm in charge of 100 kids that aren't mine, Mm -hmm. I would prefer it if it wasn't tornadoes and hail and stuff. Right. (laughs) Right. Yeah, the sky had that weird greeny, yellow, browny look. Mm -hmm. You know, when you see that, you think, oh boy, this isn't good. But we all survived. The good thing about our church is there is a very large basement area that that are its classrooms. So there were actually women of the WMU of First Baptist Church only who rode out the big tornado of 1951 that, that clobbered Olney. They, they rode it out in the, in the basement of our church. So we've we have a place we can go. It's been tested. Yeah, it's been tested. <laughs> Yeah, that was an interesting storm because they were they were actually having a graduation rehearsal. So there were a bunch of people that were in the church where they did the they did the graduation um, ceremony in the old sanctuary. So they were all there, and the tornado just came right downtown. Yeah. yeah. So and it was I think it was on the same side of the main street that um, the church is on. But anyway, so we're all good though. We had a little. We got nervous during the rain. That uh, we've got a bunch of bunnies right now. So we're. If you didn't know this about um, our kids, about me, I don't really classify Melissa into this because you've actually been helping a little bit lately with the bunnies, haven't you? Yeah. Maybe you are earning your bunny farmer stripes. <laughs> You feeling like a rabbit farmer? Not really, no. I still consider the bunnies to be your project. Yeah, it's more the kids' project. It's my project. And Melissa does not feel any, what would be the word there? You don't feel any responsibility. Obligation. Compassion. Obligation. Yeah, interest. Yeah. No, no, I have interest in them, especially, well, see, I really only have interest in them when there are babies. Yeah. And right now there are a bunch of babies. We have twelve baby rabbits. We have twelve right baby now. rabbits. But three, three, baby, three of our does had babies, so it's been uh, it's been exciting to see them growing or not. So Chad ran out there through the hail and the lightning to go try to rescue baby bunnies. Because I, I thought, you know, they're in these little cardboard nesting boxes, and I thought, what if those boxes are filling up with water? And all those bunnies are going to drown. I couldn't handle the thought of it. Yeah. That's sad. But they were all fine. And they were all fine. So and we brought them in the house, and the kids got to look at them while it was storming, and that made everything better. Good. And then they started to kind of smell. <laughs> and I was like, we got to get... I think it was the hay, but still. There's this little, they yeah. make these fur hay nests. It's weird, They're, It's weird, isn't it? The way that they, they kind of pull all the fur out of their belly and make a nest with... And we put some Timothy hay in there. So they're really cute. They look like little rats, though. You notice that? No, they don't look like rats. Oh, really? No. They look like really ratty to me. No. 
I don't hold and and ooh and awe over rats. But a baby rabbit is a cute little thing, isn't it? Yes. And when they start getting a little fur, oh man, they're so cute. Nothing like it. All right, so uh, we're back for the second podcast of May, and we're going to try to do thirty-one podcasts in thirty-one days. And I was pretty tired laying on the couch there after the excitement of the storm, and I thought, well, it's going to be hard to do thirty-one of these. <laughs> On, on day two, you day were two, I'm already, I'm already worn out on day two. <laughs> yeah, so I'm thinking maybe, um, maybe this one's going to be a pretty short one. Oh, you say that every time. Yeah. I think that about every sermon <laughs> I make, I'm like, mm, I only have, t- I only have two lines of notes. <laughs> Somehow, why does it be a forty minute sermon? <laughs> I went to a meeting tonight for the where our church is having a 120th anniversary celebration are you excited about that mm-hmm. yeah i love those things you know where you just kind of celebrate the past and I do too. where you're going and the great thing about our church i mean our church had some glory days man there was some glory days in the what are you talking about these are the glory days i know but i'm saying that back when Olney had about two thousand more people and people were a little more religious and came to church um you know it was more of a thing to do and it is now it's amazing to me that our church is 120 years old. And that they used to run, you know, 300 more in Sunday school than we do now. I mean, that's crazy. Yeah. And think about this. Every church in Olney was full of people. Yeah. I mean, it was just, you know, the times have changed so much. And our church is um, healthy and doing well. These are these are great days for our First Baptist Church of Olney, but... It's fun to look back and see the impact that the church has had on the town and to see the 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 family. So we've got a family, little Ross Rogers, cute little Ross Rogers, who's our daughter's kindergarten teacher's son. Yes. Did you know that Ross Rogers is this would be the seventh like generationally the seventh generation down from, I want to say maybe the uh, seven generations from two of the founding members. And I think one of their daughters was baptized on the first day they organized the church. Really? So like, I don't know if that's a aunt, uncle, I don't know, I'm not sure what the relation is, but it's like, I mean, seven generations that's amazing. from those folks. So a bunch of second, third, fourth cousins, I'm not sure what they would be. But, Ross is four months old. Yeah, so that's going to be some something neat to kind of figure out and talk about at the the uh, 120th anniversary of the church. And I think it's good to celebrate the, celebrate those mi- milestones. I mean, you could have waited five more years and done the 125, but I thought, why not just do you know like nice numbers like 120, 125, 130. Oh, you're going to do it every five years. 135. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, you know, we have we need something to. Sometimes you just need a reason to get together and have a catered barbecue meal, <laughs> right? That's the main thing. The main thing is sausage, and hope, and I'm going to eat a lot of it. Yes, you are. Yeah, what we're really celebrating is people have been eating together for 120 years under the banner of First Baptist Church. All they've been eating and eating and eating. Mm. Yeah, I went to a minister's fellowship yesterday and had. One of the most interesting casseroles I've ever had. It was a pulled pork barbecue. 
casserole. It all this pulled pork was on the top, and then underneath the pulled pork was all this cheesy potatoes. Mm, that sounds good. Mm, it was good. Mm. I don't know. They weren't. They were scalloped. Is that right? Scalloped. Is that the word? They were kind of sliced. Yeah. Yeah. It was. It was amazing. And I just kept eating and eating. And then I. It's the first time that I can remember. Maybe since. I don't know. I think it's the first time since about ninth grade. When I or maybe seventh grade. Or I I can't I honestly cannot remember a time when I got more on my plate that I could eat. But I was that I that this is so good. I got an extra scoop and I didn't need it. So I kind of like uh in an ashamed kind of way walked back up to the lady who had served the fit. I was like, I got more than I could eat actually. <laughs> I couldn't clean my plate. And what did she say? She said, That's okay, it's okay to not clean your plate. I was like, that's kind of a disgrace to me. <laughs> I kind of secretly judge you every time you don't finish your food. Really? Yeah. There, I mean, there, there's some country where kids are starving. It ain't China anymore, but there's places where kids are starving. <laughs> well, you should stop eating when you're not hungry anymore. Mm-hmm. I just stop eating when I feel like I'm about to get sick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, so that was a we need we need to get that recipe though because that was great. So we could get the recipe, but the execution might not be the same. Yeah. But it was really it was that's the thing about this this particular ministry association. Um the food is always just off the hook. You know what you need to do is get that recipe and give it to Ross Rogers' grandmother. Y- yes. And let her That's a fix great it. idea. <laughs> mm. Okay. All right. Let's go quickly. 31. So the idea of the May Madness podcast is 31 things to teach your kids. So last night was have fun. Don't be the kind of kid. Don't let your child uh, be the kind of uh, non-participator. Don't make them a party pooper, you know. Um, Don't let them be too cool for stuff. Yeah. Show them how to have a good time and participate and you lead the way there. Now, this, so the second one we're going to do tonight is way more serious than that, but it's kind of the same. I mean, I guess a lot of these is monkey see, monkey do. Like we learn a lot by what we see our parents doing. So um, give, give us the uh, kind of the idea behind tonight's 31 for 31. Okay, number two is <clears throat> teach your kids what a Christian marriage should look like. Teach your kids what a Christian marriage should look like. So this is this one's a biggie. Yeah. This might be one of the biggest, uh, next to the one that will come later, I guess, which is get, getting a little ahead of ourselves. You know, show them what an authentic Christian life looks like. We've got teach them what a real Christian marriage looks like. Right. So let us have it, Melissa. Well, I think first, before you can wrap your mind around that concept, you have to understand what marriage is meant to be, which is a picture of Christ and the church. Mm-hmm. And I think when you look at it in those terms of, you know, a Savior who would give everything for his bride and a bride who will 
lay down everything in order to love her savior. Mm -hmm. It creates a clearer picture of what Christian marriage is really supposed to look like. Mm -hmm. And it's really going to make a big difference in your parenting. I mean, you get to Ephesians chapter six and it starts to talk about children, but in Ephesians chapter five, it's about marriage. I think that's right. Am I right on that? I'm not entirely sure. I, you know, I always I always say things I like that. I feel like you're right. You're usually right. Okay. You you explain. I'm going to grab a Bible. I should have grabbed one before we got started. What am I explaining? All the Bibles are in the hallway because Adelaide, whenever we thought there was going to be a tornado, she went and gathered up all the Bibles and put them in the hallway. <laughs> because she uh, said that those were the only things that really needed to be saved in the whole house. Really? And that's what she said. That's how a pastor's kid's brown nose or something, right? <laughs> Mom, Dad. Sunday school answer. Yeah, I really, uh, I really was thinking, what, what can we not live without? <laughs> and uh, I'd be like, look, I mean, let's be honest here. What, is this, what does this say about itself? It says the grass withers. The flower fades, but the word of God stands forever. Even a tornado can't take this down. Go get the pictures. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I've, I have marked up, you know, I got that. I have my, I have an NIV Bible that I really like. And I've marked it up so much now that I really wouldn't want to lose it. Yeah. You know. That's true. For a long time, I didn't like to mark in Bibles. It bothered me to see marks in them, and now I've gone the other way. You know, people change. You should you should change. You know, change is okay. Change is what we should always be doing. Yeah. You know, I saw a while back Matt Chandler took a whole bunch of sermons down off his website. Did I tell you about that ever? Uh-uh. I went looking for a sermon that I had on a CD a long time ago that was a great sermon. About uh, cancer. It's about it. one of his mentors coming down with cancer and dying. I wanted to hear it again. I went to look for it, and it was gone. And it just said, Matt Chandler's taking all these old sermons down. He's, you know, He kind of feels like he was maybe a little too angry when he preached them. <laughs> and I was like, yes, I get that. Yeah. That's good. I mean, I... I think it, you should cringe when you preach, when you listen to yourself preach, because you think, ah, I wouldn't say it that way again. Yeah. And... You know, it's good to it's good to change and not just feel like you always have to be exactly the same. As long as you're changing for the better, right? You know, it's like we get growing, we, we grow, growing. man. We grow. Yes, yes. I was right. I was. Right. I'm so glad I was right. Ephesians chapter five. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he's the savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives submit to their husbands and everything. And husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. For he who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it just as Christ does the church, and we are members of his body. So, I mean, you take that, and that is 
you start to read that. And as I was thinking about 31 for 31, there are some of these things you can't do until your kids can talk or until they can proficiently even understand the English language, right? Mm, I'm not sure I would entirely agree with that. I'm saying there's some of these things that we, like... Oh, yeah, there's if, some if I, of these things. Yeah, so you're, of, you're not talking about this thing. No, no, I'm saying that some of the things on our list yeah. are uh, things that your kids have to be a little bit older to do. And there's some of these things, the, 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 as, we, as thing, we talk about changing as a, as a preacher, as a Christian... You change a lot as a parent because the circumstances, they just get, they just get so different. Uh, the things you're dealing with when they're three are so different than what you're dealing with when they're eight. It's crazy. But uh, uh, there are things like this, like showing your child an authentic marriage. You can start practicing that before they can even really pay attention. Yes. You know. So this is one you can do. Just start. The, start there. I mean. Uh, as as you're married and start thinking about your marriage and, and what kind of marriage your children are going to see, start doing that before they even are paying attention to, to what it is that you're doing. Before before kids are verbal, they understand emotions and they understand mm-hmm. stress. They, they understand like stress yeah. when there's tension. They understand angry sounds. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, you, this is something that. You, you know, don't think that whenever they're babies, you can just do whatever you want when they're in the room and it won't uh, impact them at all. That That is true. They, but, but thankfully a lot of time I think they don't remember much. I mean, I don't, I don't remember anything about the first 12 years of my life. Okay. Maybe more like six. <laughs> no, but I mean, you know, you know, I don't remember things until kindergarten. We've talked about that before. My first memory is watching the space shuttle take off or Ronald Reagan being sworn in. I was like five years old. I don't remember hardly anything before I was five. Yeah. I think I've I've often maintained that was God's grace, you know, to give parents five years. Yeah, to figure things <laughs> to out. To figure things out. So you've got that five-year grace period. <laughs> but, yeah, you don't want to stress your kids out or make them upset. But but what what parents do is they give these, you know, these first-year birthday parties – that, that parents give, you know, we all want to do that. We want to give our kids, um, I think there's a dream, a desire every parent has. They want to give their kids one of those little battery powered motorized cars. Yeah. I think, but don't you think that's what parents want, want to do? <laughs> they see that at Walmart, like $250. Yeah. You know, it's totally unnecessary, but I want them to have the experience of driving around in the backyard in a little battery powered <laughs> Cadillac or a Hummer or whatever it is. Yeah. And you think of all the things you want your kids to have, nice clothes, um, an education, friends, to be well-liked. But what, what, one of the things they need to see the most, the best gift you can give them is, to, is to, that they could see that you're a person of faith, that they could see what a marriage is supposed to look like. So they'll know. And... Uh, and we we certainly aren't sitting here telling that we we have a perfect marriage. Um, I don't think it's perfect. Uh, Melissa has a lot of work left to do. But um, on you, let's see if we get away with that one. No, we're not. We don't have a perfect marriage. I mean, it's, it would be really difficult to be married to me and for it to be perfect. But I think we trying. We're trying to. 
pray that our marriage is, is a good, strong marriage. We're trying to show the kids that we like each other, that, I mean, that we're friends and that we love spending time together. And, and as far as you say, well, what about all this submission? And What's your take on that submission passage? You know, people kind of bristle up about on the submission. I think every, I think it's, everyone makes way too big of a deal out of that. It says later on you're you're to submit to one another. Actually, it says that right before. It says in chapter five, verse twenty-one, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Yeah. So before you even get into the submission of woman's husband, wife submitting to husband, it says you're supposed to submit to one another. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, there's a mutual submission just from one Christian to another, but. The 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 biggest burden in biblical terms in the marriage is, to me, it's definitely on the husband. You've got to love your wife like Christ loves the church, which, how the heck, you know, is a sinful man going to do that? Yeah. And then you're going to be held accountable for how your yeah. wife turns out. <laughs> I mean, it says, it says, here, it says, wives submit to the, to the husband as the church submits to Christ. And you think, well, you know, that's uh, that's hard. But then when you, you look at the husband's, uh, what he's doing there, he's supposed to be a picture of Christ loving the church, cleansing, washing, presenting her as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any blemish, but holy and blameless. So, you know, that's... Uh, when you think about the task that a husband has in the wife's sanctification project uh, process project uh, process, that's uh, that's quite a burden that the man has. And I've said before that you know if a man is submitting to Christ, it would probably be a joy to submit to him because he's going to be giving himself up for you. Right. So. And I think that there's an important element to that that ties into what we're talking about here about living out this Christian marriage in front of your kids. We need to be very careful as Christian married people that we are not leading each other into sin and that we're not leading each other away from Christ. Mm -hmm. We both have a responsibility to help sanctify each other. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be, I think we're going to have to answer for that if we spend, you know, 50 years being married together and we're not bringing each other closer to the throne through our relationship, but mm-hmm. we're leading each other into sin, we're, we're leading each other into all of these things that separate us from Christ instead of bring us closer to him. We've got to be very careful about that kind of thing. Yeah, and the, and you say you're going to you're going to pay for it. I mean, other people are going to pay for it too. Mm. Who pays for your immaturity? Husband, who pays? For, if you're leading your wife in the, in the way that you live, if you're leading your wife away from Christ, you're also leading your kids away from Christ. And, you're gonna, and your actions are going to lead their kids away from Christ and their kids away from Christ. You see, you're, that's the direction you're leading. And your decisions and the things that you're doing now will affect generations and you know 
not only will you pay for it because that's not the way to live. That's not the way to have abundant life is, is by follow, uh, turning away from Christ. But you're going to prevent other people from having abundant life. You are, if you're one of these milquetoast Christians who has just the most marginal of commitments, then you're even hurting your church. You're hurting your faith community. And the other, the other thing about that is that your kids are looking at every element of your life to, to try to understand and comprehend how to be a Christian mm-hmm. and how to live for Christ. And if they see in on most of the areas of your life, you're living like a Christian, but in your marriage, you aren't. Mm-hmm. In your marriage, you can't work through your problems. You can't, mm-hmm. you know, Christ can't solve your issues in your marriage. You can't speak civil words to each other. You can't get through an argument without screaming or throwing things or the things that people do, slamming doors and all this stuff. I, that is going to affect how they see that your Christianity applies. Yeah, because they're going to see it doesn't apply and it's not real and it's nonsense. I mean, right. what else would make kids, so many kids walk away from it? It's that their parents say this is what they believe. Right. And they don't really believe. You don't. You do what you believe. And the other thing You really, is, you probably, you know, you probably really don't believe if in the most meaningful and most substantial relationships in your life, if Christ doesn't apply, then probably all the rest of it's a sham. Could be. I'm just saying. That's a hard word. What were you going to say? The other thing was? The other thing is that your kids are going to grow up and they're going to start looking for a mate. And they're either going to say, I want a marriage like my parents. Or I don't. Or they're going to say, whatever mm. happens, I do not want a marriage like my parents. Mm. And I, it would just break my heart if our kids grew up mm. and they were using us as an example of how not, not to, to be. be. Yeah. In marriage. You know, even in the Bible, there's ex- we, we say that sometimes when we're going through a story. Well, here's one of what not to do. Yeah. Here's a story of how not to act. What a sad thing. Yeah. You know, for, that to, for that to be your legacy is that, oh, yeah, I had the marriage nobody wants. It's really important, I think, that our kids, especially in... It may be, maybe more so even when you're in the ministry, you know, here are these kids' dad is a pastor... Um, I think it's really important for them to see that that Chad and I are the same behind closed doors mm-hmm. as we are when we're out in public. We're not putting on a show of, oh, we like each other until we get behind closed doors and then we can't stand each other and we're right. fighting all the time. That so, would be very detrimental to yeah. their to their understanding of what it's like to be married and what it's like to be a Christian. Right. So, I mean, you're teaching them. You're teaching them about marriage, so teach them what a Christian marriage looks like, what it should look like. And if you are married to someone who is not a Christian, just go with the the scripture, you know, as far as it depends on me, I'll live at peace with everyone. You show them what it looks like to be a Christian. You Mm -hmm. can't control your spouse, Mm -hmm. but you can show them how the way you react and the way you interact is reflecting Christ. Right. Awesome. So teach your kids to, uh, what it looks like to have a Christian marriage. Any final any final thoughts? I liked this one. I like number two. You like that one? Yeah. Well, it's kind of a, it's a hard one. I know. It's convicting. It's very convicting. Let's, let's try to be better at being married. Okay, let's do it. Let's, 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 um, I don't know what we can, what can we do. Let's finish this podcast and go cuddle or something. 
Okay, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to go cuddle. So we're going to go work on our marriage by cuddling. And reflecting on this podcast and how awesome it was. Hey, we'll be back tomorrow for number three. Thanks for listening, right, y'all. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.